for nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. And welcome this gorgeous Saturday morning to Rosie on the House. Thank you for tuning in. We're in the middle of air conditioning season. Air conditioning is the topic of our show the entire month of July. And here we are talking this morning about one dimension of air quality in particular, and that's the the indoor air quality that you're trying to create. We talk about air conditioning, and people just think, well, that's cooling it. Well, it's more than just cooling it. It's dehumidifying it, it's scrubbing it, it's cleaning it, and delivering it to you in a, in a comfortable temperature for your home's comfort level, but it's also healthy and clean. And in this morning, we've asked for our Tucson, Southern Arizona experts from Temperature Control, Tony Bohard, owner. Tony, thanks for coming in this morning, my friend. Thanks for having us. And Philip Molino. Malillo. Malillo. Sorry about that, Philip. I'll get it right the rest of the broadcast, I promise. So you're service manager at Temperature Control? Yes, that's correct. Tell us a little bit about Temperature Control, Tony. Well, we've been in business since 1982. Um, I'm the second owner. I worked for the owner for about 10 years before I purchased the company. Um, And we've been serving this area. We are full service with air conditioning, heating, uh, maintenance, commercial, residential, and duct maintenance. Very good. Well, I brought you guys in here this morning to talk air conditioning but and and what it is. If you wanted to simplify air conditioning to two sentences how would you explain it to a homeowner and i'm talking particularly about the summer cooling of the air conditioning component so the way it actually removes the heat from the house yeah see people don't think of it like that they always assume that it just blows cold air yes yeah it doesn't do that at all it removes the heat from the air we're we're actually just moving heat from wherever we don't want it and pushing it where Rejecting it outside. Rejecting it outside. Yeah. So we have this gas that we, the, you always hear about the compressor. Oh, boy, you every air conditioning service you call, you. I hope it's not the compressor. Because everybody knows that's when you're talking big money, right? right? Right, So you've got this compressor that comes on, compresses this gas, sends it down a tunnel, a tube. And as it's sent down that tunnel, it expands. Mm-hmm. As it expands, it gets very, very cold. We dissipate that coal through little fins Mm -hmm. that then we pass the hopefully filtered air over, and that cold air, that air then cools, and we spit it out through the supply registers. Rejecting the heat back to the condenser. And then the little uh, gas returns back to the compressor and is smashed up tight again. That is correct. Fully expanded. Nobody realizes that. They think they turn it on, it just blows cold air, and that's it. Well, that's all you want it to do as a homeowner, right? Sure, sure. But but they all know when they hear the word compressor. You know, when the technician comes in and says, it's the compressor. I mean, it's just cha-ching. Heart drop, yeah. That's the most expensive component in the whole unit, isn't it? It is. And that's the thing we hate telling them the most. Yeah. You know, going in as a technician saying that the compressor is bad is always bad. Well, that's how air conditioning works. So we're extracting heat to the outside. Is if, if, you want, if you want to challenge us on that? Go outside to your outside system and put your hand above that little fan that's blowing. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're moving a lot of heat. A lot of heat. And in the winter on a heat pump, that thing's blowing ice cold air. Ice cold air. Yep. Because you're putting the heat back, back in. inside. You're removing it from outside and bringing it inside. Yep. And while we're on that topic, in my mind, that's one reason a lot of people that move in from the Midwest or someone that's familiar with gas, heat, they go to a heat pump 
And on those cold January wet mornings, they call you guys and they say, my heater's broken. It's broke. <laughs> right. What temperature will a heat pump generate in the middle of the winter? It depends on the manufacturer, but it'll, you know, I've seen them go down to 29 degrees, 28 degrees before they start freezing up. And when you put your hand at the register, what temperature air is blowing into the room? 20 degrees hotter than what's going in or what the room temperature is. But it's very often below your body temperature. Sure. And if you let it get <laughs> so cold. So it feels cool. Sure. If you let it get to 50 degrees in your house and you fire it up, it's blowing 70 degree air out of the vent. It's going to feel cold. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get off the topic of heat because we're out here in the middle of the summer in Tucson, Arizona. Let's get back to air conditioning. Philip. As service manager at Temperature Control, what are y'all seeing more often than not when you're out there on service calls? Um, yeah, it has to go with uh, dirty air filters. Uh, that's a big one. Um, and how long does it take an air filter to get dirty? It really depends on the situation. You know, If you have a lot of pets, animals, you have high traffic inside your house, it could take two, three, a month, and that thing could be packed. Totally packed. Uh, totally packed. And people... Uh, develop this conscience that, hey, I'm going to get the best filter I can get so it'll last as long as possible. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, a lot of people thinking that the air filters to actually kind of clean the air when it's actually there to keep the system clean. And that dirty air filter will damage that system. And the better air filter you get, the faster it clogs up. That's right. So spending more money on a filter doesn't give you longer filter life. No, no, it's uh, just going to collect more dirt. Um yeah, create more issues with the system. It actually could be restrictive right off the bat. And when we're out looking at homes, we're seeing a lot of the 99-cent buy-at-the-drugstore spun fiberglass filters. Yes. That's the bottom. That's the beginning. That is the bottom one, yeah. Those are the ones you can throw a cat through. But you, you wouldn't do that, but I mean, you could. We're trying to keep the cats out of there, but it does happen sometimes. So you've got the spun fiberglass filters, and they're, I think you can buy them bulk on sale for well under a dollar, $0.79, cents, something like that. And then where do you step up from there? You would go up to a pleated filter. Okay. And that's the, pa- the paper type. Paper pleated filter that's one inch thick. One inch thick. And that is what we at Rosie on the House have been recommending for two decades. Are, are we in agreement with that? Oh uh, Yeah. Um, and nowadays, they've been actually installing filter bases on the systems that are capable of taking two-inch filters. So you can get a better filtration, better airflow, just by having it checked by a professional. And you somebody. would do that filter housing change when you're changing equipment. Yeah, that was an equipment change out. And a lot of times you're seeing that being standard. Yeah, but you could even go three and four-inch, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a lot better filtration that way. Yeah, at, at, I, I got tired of changing filters, so and we don't have any indoor pets, and now we're empty nesters, so the house is running much cleaner than it ever has. But uh, we went four-inch paper pleated at my house, and I just have the tech change him twice a year when he comes out. That's usually what it is. Bada-bing, bada-boom, it's done. I don't have to worry about it. Now, other than the filter, well, and then they've got the cleanable filters, right? That washable. You, that yeah. you could buy and wash it. What's y'all's feeling on those? I have a very definite opinion on those. They're horrible. Yeah. They keep all the dander and all the <laughs> funk. Everything stays in it. You're not really bleaching it. You're not really sanitizing it. So they're, they're not a good idea. The, the homeowner doesn't have the equipment they need to clean it as well as it needs to be cleaned. Correct. And, I mean, if you throw the filter away every month, you're throwing away anything that was bad in that house. If you take it outside and take a garden hose to it, you're really not doing anything to the filter except washing the dust off of it. Okay, so no cleanable, reusable filters. Then where do we go after that? 
What's the next step? Electronic filtration. If you truly want to filter the house without damaging the system, you have to go to electronic filtration, either a pure air or um, something of that effect where you have actual an electric filter and a media filter together. As some people may be familiar with those because in the early generations of those, they sounded like a bug zapper. They did. <laughs> the clean effects actually did. Or the Honeywell version okay. of that, yeah. All right. So as any particle moves through this filter medium, it's electronically zapped. It's charged, correct. And then where does it go? It sticks to the media. And so, how are those how are those systems clean? The media portion is changed every depending on the brand. Uh, with Lennox, you change the media filter every three months or six months, depending on how fast it, it fills up. Okay. So the electronic filtering, can you are you comfortable stating? I mean, I'm I'm talking about seventy nine cent spun fiberglass filters. I'm talking about five dollar one inch paper pleated filters. I'm talking sixty dollar four inch paper pleated filters. What am I talking for electronic filtration on an average four ton unit? If the system's new and you're installing it, you know, with a new system, so there's not a lot of work involved, it's usually a thousand to fifteen hundred. If we've got to go back in there and remove stuff, it could be as much as seventeen to eighteen hundred. And you're not at that point ever assigned the responsibility as a homeowner of replacing filters. No, it makes it super simple. Usually with your maintenance program, the technician will take the electronic portion out, clean it very well, and then he'll change the media portion with his maintenance. With our company, that's the way we do it. All right. And y'all like to maintain a unit how often? Twice a year is always recommended. And that's spring and fall? Yes. Even if you're not in the house, it's recommended because you want to check it before you fire it up in both seasons. Yeah, especially how how many calls have y'all gotten since the beginning of summer where they've just... Turn it on for the first time, and you just got nothing. Blowing warm air. That's that it. happens no. very no often. Cool. Yeah. No cool. No cool call. Yeah. And, and that and that generally, what are you finding when, you, when you're when you there? That's a, la- a loss of charge, a bro- broken compressor? I mean, usually it's a low, I mean, all those above, but most that we've seen so far this year are low in charge. And the charge could be affected by the filter. If the filter is plugged up and the coil's dirty and the charge is running, you know, higher pressure, you will create, uh, you know, electrolysis on that coil, you'll create problems on that coil. So you could create problems by having a dirty coil. Mm. People don't realize that like, oh, it's no big deal. It can actually damage your coil by having a dirty coil. It will create problems with leaks later in the future or can create problems with leaks. I think most people understand how a car radiator works. Correct. You know, the water circulates in front of your car as you're moving down the highway cooling it below the boiling temp, cooling the water down. The cooler water then circulates in your engine block, keeping your engine much lower, giving you a much longer life on the engine and whatnot. And as soon as you block that radiator, if you would put a saran wrap in front of it or a cardboard cover, that's the equivalent of all the dirt that could be accumulating on your coil and air conditioning, and you're, you're, you're starving it. A perfect example is icing up. Uh, system icing up is actually overheating on a refrigerant charge. So when your system ices up, that is exact same scenario as a car overheating in the air conditioning world. I got it. Yeah. I got it. However, yeah, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. So every time it ices up, it's actually damaging the system. Just like when your car overheats, it damages the engine of the car. We're here talking with Philip Melillo. That's right. Service manager at Temp Control, as well as the owner of Temp Control, Mr. Tony Bohart, here at Rosie on the House. We're talking about indoor air quality at your home. We've covered a little bit in the basics, just about the different types of filtration. Did you know you could also filter with light? 
We're going to come back and talk about that a little bit, as well as the 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 most extreme sense of filtering. You need a clean room inside your house. We're going to talk about how you could accomplish that right here at Rosie on the House. Coming back here at Rosie on the House. Thank you for tuning in as we talk our way through the the. You know, in this hour, we like to dive deep and go into the topics that we pick on a deeper level so that you can reach a higher level of understanding how all the components of your home work. And we're on the topic this month in particular, all month long, about air conditioning and how critical that is for our comfort here in the great state of Arizona, particularly below the Mogollon Rim on the desert floor. And we're here with the experts from Tucson Temperature Control, Tony Bohard, the owner, as well as Philip Melillo, the service manager. Thank you guys for taking time out of your Saturday morning, coming in and visit with us. We were talking about all the different levels of filtration, and we were just finishing the conversation with the electronic filtration. Do y'all do much of the light filtration? We do a lot of the scrubber. Um, we don't do too much of just UV lighting because it doesn't do much but keep the coil clean. But for filtration, we do a lot of the active tech scrubber. And that light filtration has some tricky components to it, doesn't it? It does. It's a carbon base um, honeycomb with, with the UV light going through it. And you're not wanting that light inactive among your air handling cabinet and all that right no it'll actually do damage to wiring and stuff it, it, like it that sunburns it's sunburns inside it's UV, of your unit <laughs> exactly it's uv light you just want it basically to hit the coil okay so what is that light doing to the coil it's cleaning it just like the sunlight would do getting rid of any mold um stench anything of that what, nature. what's the temperature of that bulb you know, that's a good question. I just wonder. I mean, it, it's not creating a, a lot of heat inside your air conditioning it's cabinet, not heat, is it? It's not hot at all because I've actually worked on them with it open. I don't know the exact temperature, but um, I have definitely would say it's not hot because I've been close to them. And at that point that you're using the light, the ultraviolet, are you reaching the maximum level of cleanliness that you can get? I mean, someone super sensitive to the outdoor environment here in Arizona seasonally how would you get their inside house absolutely as clean as possible as it relates to the air conditioning system? So I just built a home, um, and the, what I did, obviously, I limits, no limits for me. I did the UV light, the scrubber, as well as a pure air. So I did both on my system and a humidifier to bring some moisture in and some fresh air to bring some fresh air into the house. And so a humidifier, because the way air conditioning works is we're taking all the moisture that's available in here and taking it out. It condenses and then it runs out. By the way, folks, if your condensate line isn't dripping right now, you've got a problem. problem. <laughs> you've got a problem coming up. Right you, 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 <laughs> if your air conditioning has been running and there isn't a wet spot underneath your condensate pipe, uh, you've got a problem, a big problem right around the road. So you want to make sure you're getting a good amount of water. Uh, I, I know at my house, uh, it's not a big house. Uh, we're well under 3,000 feet, but I've got a four to three ton unit. And I generate in the middle of monsoon, I generate almost 15 gallons of water a day. Oh, a day. A day. Can I add a quick one on that one? If you have drain lines that are coming out of a second story house and it's dripping from the one upstairs, you have a problem as well. Talk about that a little bit. You've got the primary drain and then you've got the 
A secondary. Uh, it, a that's second. like the emergency overflow. When water is not draining correctly out of the system, it will usually flow into a secondary pan underneath the system. That's just made of metal. And if it's been doing that for quite some time, it very well could be rusted. You could have a hole and within a few days, you know, a few weeks, it could leak right through. And, and, and I, I want the listeners to picture this horizontal air handler. It, it's We call it horizontal because it's built that way, and we stuff it up in the attic. And then we put this big pan underneath it that is an emergency catch basin. Right. Just if, a big if it, pan. If it plugs up, if the main drain plugs up, then the pan will catch the overflow. And that's why they put it high. So when you walk by, you actually see water dripping and assume there's something wrong. Yeah. So that's why that drain is put higher than a standard drain. And it requires service, folks. It's not anything you could ignore. Think about this. You're, you're a galvanized pan living up in an attic. There's some amount of natural airflow through there. You're getting the lint. You're getting the residue of the maybe the insulation that's up there and a the little bit of dust particles that make their way through the attic. And then there's a little bit of moisture. So what what is that? all that lint drawn to? The moisture. And then there's it's, it's on a slant, and it goes to a little pipe, and all those little lint balls make their way to the drain pipe, and it isn't unusual after some amount of time that then you've got those plugged, and then then the water only has one place to go. And you got your own ecosystem growing at the same time. Right. you exactly. got the bacteria on the coil. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I want to talk about when we get back, just what y'all's philosophy is on duct cleaning, duct sealing, how often should it be done. Um, I, I, I know a lot of services out there that try to book duct cleaning twice a year. I have a very strong opinion about that in particular. We'll cover that when we get back. We're here broadcasting on the topic of air conditioning with temperature control. We've got the owner, Mr. Tony Bohard. Tony, again, congratulations on your long success at the company. Been there. You. Y'all been there since the 80s, huh? Yeah, 82. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of air conditioning units. It's a lot of units, and it just keeps growing. And Philip Melillo, the service manager, Appreciate you coming in, talking, and lending your technical advice and what you're seeing out there every particular day at any one of the particular homes. So when we get back, I want to talk a little bit more about the the, the filtration and the qual- the air quality that the ducks can present, particularly down here in Tucson when we're dealing with a home that was built 50, 60, 70. We were only putting the VAP coolers on then. And we've slapped a lot of air conditioning units on those duct systems. And let's talk duct integrity when we get back. And welcome back to my house. It's Rosie on the house where we're talking air conditioning today with the owner of Temperature Control, Mr. Tony Bohard, as well as he brought in his service manager, Mr. Philip Melillo. Philip, again, thanks for taking your time to yeah. come in, man. Thanks for having me. I us. know it's always hard giving up a Saturday. Oh, right. But I guess yeah. this time of year, do you have Saturdays? Oh, yeah. We're, we're always working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and bet being you in are. the service manager position, I think you're working 24 7. That phone's always ringing. All right. We've been talking with the folks from Temperature Control here about indoor air quality and air conditioning, the different types of filters you can use to ensure the highest level of indoor air quality that you can attain. Now, let's talk about other things that impact indoor air quality other than just the filters. And I I think the very next topic you have to talk about is the ductwork, right? Absolutely. If you have holes in your ductwork, it's creating all kinds of 
you know, it's bringing all kinds of bad stuff into your house. And I'm sorry, Tony, you've been in the industry how long? I've been doing this for 24 years. Okay, so in 24 years, have you ever been to a house ever once that didn't have leaks in the duct? No. Actually, <laughs> now with every new install, we offer a duct pressure test on every job. And I would say 85% of them have more than 30% duct leakage on them. 30%. So a five-ton unit, that's a ton and a half of cooling. That's huge. It's just being leaked out into the attic and the non-livable space. And-, and all that dirt and all the fiberglass from the attic being sucked into the ductwork, pushed through the coil, pushed into your house, things like that. Because that's all after the filter. That's correct. So you're actually with a with a Explain a little bit about that vortex of of how the dirt gets into a leaky duct. So when the ductwork pressurizes any holes, it's going to pull a vacuum. So the static pressure will actually pull that vacuum through, and it pulls all the contaminants in the attic. You know, the fiberglass, the dust, rat poop, anything you find in the attic, it'll actually pull it in. Thank you for that. Into the into the ductwork (laughs) and uh, into the house. So if you have dirty ductwork and your ductwork is constantly dirty. It's not because of something you're doing. It's usually caused by a, a leak in the ductwork or something of that as, aspect. You're actually taking in all those little micro fragments and particles from inside your attic, introducing them to the supply side of your air conditioning register, mm-hmm. and just blowing them out into your room. Absolutely. I've been in so many houses where they say, I don't know why it's so dusty. It's a new house. It makes no sense. And, you know, we pressure test it and she's got 40% leakage in her ductwork. Well, there's there's your dust. And w- t- describe to me how y'all set up a pressure test. So basically the way we do it is uh, we use a, a system that plugs all the registers. You seal them all up and you add a CFM. You add pressure into the ductwork. And as that pressure drops, it tells you how much leakage as that pressure drops out of the system. So then we can verify the leakage. And then after we do the sealing, we do that again, and we should have less than, you know, five CFM of leakage. You know, and I, and I, I can see uh, wrapping uh, joints and, and, and sealing up ductwork in uh, attic space. But boy, we've got a lot of low slope roofs here where all the ductwork is inaccessible. Well, and even if, <laughs> even if you wrap it, I mean, you can't get into the return box. The best way to do it is AeroSeal. I mean, there's no comparison. You AeroSeal seals up everything internally, so you have no leaks. You know exactly what your leakage is before and after. It it it's it's a no brainer. And you're seeing a typical leakage of something in a neighborhood of 15, 20, 30 percent. What can we accomplish once our, our system's aero-sealed? Well, they, within a half an inch. So, you know, within a half an inch is nothing. Like 1%, typical 5% on a complete system, meaning return box and yep. air conditioner, but 1% on, on simple ductwork. Okay, so once we've got the ductwork sealed up so tight that 99% of the year we're totally controlling it. We're, we know exactly where it's coming from, and we know exactly where we're channeling it, and we know exactly where we're delivering it. Now you're talking about a good environment to go get the inside of your ducts clean. Absolutely. And we usually clean the ductwork before we do the aeroseal process because it's done. But once it's done and sealed and it's aerosealed and cleaned, you should never have to deal with it. I mean, ductwork doesn't just get dirty. It's right. not exposed. It's a closed-loop system. There's nothing being brought in from the outside. Really, uh, your filter filters everything from the house, so it should not be dirty unless there's something wrong. And I want you. I want my Arizona homeowners to hear that you get the you get the Groupon and coupon offers of duct cleaning for one hundred seventy five, two hundred, two hundred fifty dollars per unit. They come in, they do it. Uh, 
before they leave, they want to schedule the next time they come in in another six months. It just doesn't have to be done if you've got the system installed and sealed correctly. That's you get correct. it installed correctly, sealed correctly, and you're disciplined about the filtration you use. I'm telling people you don't need to duct clean again, probably till you replace your equipment. Right. We recommend duct cleaning at replacement and if you buy a house, if the system is done right, you know, and everything's buttoned up, then when you buy the house initially and you purchase the house, take possession of it, we recommend it. If you do any major drywall repair or tile in your house, we recommend it. Yeah, yeah good point. <laughs> or, you know, or if you replace the system. Other than that, it doesn't make any sense to do it. It really, you shouldn't have to do it. And when you do it, you should only use, in my opinion, a licensed air conditioning technician because there's some amount just cleaning your ductwork doesn't clean your indoor air. That's correct. And, you know, your ductwork is a lot of these houses, it's plastic in the attic. So if you get somebody in there that doesn't know what they're doing, they can actually rip that ductwork, cause more damage, and you would never know as a homeowner. So it's just not a good idea to not use somebody that knows what they're doing. If your home is dustier after you've paid to have your ducts clean, big problem. We can almost tell you where that dust is coming. Absolutely, from. <laughs> can tell you where that dust is coming from. Poking in the wrong spot. That's right. Yeah, exactly. ripping, ripping stuff that they shouldn't be. Okay, so we've filtered the air. We've checked the integrity of the supply side. We've cleaned the coils. Uh, how about the the lesson to be learned with return air systems? They, they need to be sealed up and cleaned as well. That's, I mean, the return air is one thing that could get dirty or dusty. That's the one part of ductwork that should be cleaned. You know, when you pull the filter, if you've got a garage uh, return box, get in there. Take the grills off. Vacuum it out every two or three years. That's the only place you should see dust. And I tell people in getting their air conditioning replaced, they ought to have a, a serious conversation with whoever they're getting an estimate from about two things. Let's do a heat load calculation to determine. It's my opinion that if your system is over 10 or 15 years old, we can probably downsize your equipment. Guaranteed, yeah. Get, uh, and right? if you look at, if you can take 20 or 30% of leakage out of your ductwork, you can downsize there that it unit is. 20 or 30% that easy. You're saving money on the purchase of equipment. You're saving money on energy efficiency. You're Every month you're running that thing, you're saving money. And people cry to me. They'll call me in the middle of a July afternoon and say, Rosie, my air conditioner's been running for four and a half hours. I say, perfect. Right, exactly. <laughs> if it ain't running, it ain't working. <laughs> and what, what costs money is starting that compressor. It takes six times more electricity to start a compressor than it does to run the compressor and run the air conditioning. So you want a slightly undersized system would be better than an oversized system. The little system comes on, it runs longer, filters the air longer, removes more of the humidity, takes away the hot spots in the house because it's moving air longer periods of time. And it's it's just a win-win-win. If you're getting an estimate to replace your air conditioner and they ask you over the phone what size the system is oh i have a three ton okay well we're charging this for three tons you've got the wrong air conditioning contractor on the phone they need to come out visit with you about how you live number of pets how many people in the house refrigerators how many refrigerators in the house how many refrigerators what temperature do you like to keep the house in the middle of the summer are you here year round right as well as the heat calculation low calc yes because you may have put in uh, some 
Pella dual pane windows since yeah. your last air conditioning unit was or installed. Or sealed the ductwork, correct. Or sealed the ductwork. Yeah, and we used to it used to be square footage, you know, oh, 1,500 square foot, X amount of tonnage. Those That does not make any sense. You take a house built in 1960 or 70 versus a house built in 2018, the, the, the seal factor of the house is completely different. So you cannot go by square footage. You cannot go by what they used to do. you got to go by what currently they have and, and what the needs are for that house. I, I used to tell people, look, about every four to 500 square feet of livable space. One ton. You need a ton. Yeah. But but I have a very close air conditioning friend in Phoenix that's pretty well beat that out of me. Well, <laughs> you think about it, all the 2,500 square foot houses that have one five ton, how would that even work? I mean, yeah. in theory, that wouldn't even work, and it does. So Yeah. So – when you're sizing equipment, Philip, and you're assessing how to put in that new unit, talk through the things you're asking the people. And are, are y'all doing manual J calculations? Yeah. yeah, and Phil doesn't do his service, so okay. we have uh, estimators that do that. We uh, when we go to the house, we do a load calculation. We also do a pre. Talk about what's involved in that. Well, now they've made it super easy. It used to be we have to go measure the windows and doors and all that stuff. Now with Google, they've made that a heck of a lot easier, but. We go in and basically take the the heat gain and heat loss of the house. We take the sizing of the windows and things like that, north-facing, and plug all that into a computer program, and that actually gives us what cooling load would be necessary for that house and your climate. There are some variables. Um, we, we do everything at 76 degrees inside, 106 degrees outside. So if if any of those change, then the load would change as well. But that's pretty much how we do it. We plug everything into a computer now, and then that – Gives us the actual sizing necessary. All right. So we got a little bit off track here on indoor air quality. But I think that all of that load calculation, the proper size equipment, plays a lot into indoor air quality. Well, absolutely. If I go bid a house and it's calling for, you know, they had a five-ton on there and I found out there's 30% of duct leakage, that's going to change. Like we're going to go to possibly a four-ton at that point once we fix the duct leak problems and the duct problems. All right. What else haven't we covered about indoor air quality? Well, the duct, the ductwork in general. What kind of different ductwork systems do we have in Tucson? So you have flex duct and hard duct. Uh, we don't use much duct board in Tucson. Um, the flex duct work is ideal if it's the newer flex because uh, you can get it pretty much anywhere. You have less bends. You have less, you know, pressure issues. Um, but uh, that's typically what we use. Uh, any of that flex duct that was built before nineteen. 9089 uh, should always be looked at because it might be that polybutylene ductwork and could be coming apart. But uh, Tucson, all the new stuff is flex duct, all the old stuff is hard duct. All right, we've kind of got on one of Rosie's little bunny trails here where we're talking about how to help you select and interview your air conditioning contractor. I'm going to bring these guys from temperature control in Tucson back around to the topic of indoor air quality. Uh, you're dealing with moisture. In the condensate area, uh, moisture is a prime habitat, conditions conducive for all kind of yucky growth. Uh, how are you dealing with that? That's kind of the nice thing about the, you know, the scrubber or the, the UV light. It, it will actually clean that mold or that bacteria on that coil. That's the only way you can really do it. Um, you figure right now, this time of year, it's a big, humid, moist collection in there so it's never really drying out even though the system's trying to dry the water or the moisture out of the coil it's saturated right now with the humidity so high it generates a lot of water well, you said it yourself uh, yeah. 15 gallons a day so that coil is staying wet constantly so 
the best way to control it is with UV. And any filtration that has UV attached besides the electronic portion like the Pure Air or the Active Tech Scrubber will actually clean that coil and keep that that mold or the black fuzzy stuff from growing. I know a lot of homeowners that will actually put their fan on for the central system on on under the idea that may help eliminate some of the hot spots. But in the humid time of year, that may not be the most strategic tactic. Correct. That is correct. The air conditioner's working hard. Really to hard. draw all the uh, moisture, moisture out. out of the air, and then you're leaving the fan turned on, reintroduce all, you're moving the air back over all that wet coil. That's right. So in the monsoon high humidity periods, we would encourage y'all, don't leave your fan turned on in the manual position. Here with Temperature Control Tucson. All right, thank you for staying in tune here with Rosie on the house. We're talking about air conditioning in the house, in particular your house, the things you can do to get the most out of the unit you currently have on your home, the things you can do to improve the indoor air quality at your home. And then once you're considering new equipment, new estimates, we've already talked through all the steps that you need to go through in reference to the right questions to ask, what you should see the contractor doing, and the recommendations he should be giving you, he or she should be giving you. Now, evap cooling has been a real mainstay in Tucson for ever, ever, and and boy, when it's all you've got, it really feels good. Oh yeah, it feels good <laughs> up until about this time of year. Yeah, up until about this time of year, the humidity gets above about forty, forty-five percent, and you're not getting very much cooling effect out of it. You're just moving a lot of air. Yeah, you're saturated air. What are the challenges you see from the homes? you're going out on that were built for evap cooling. So a lot of times people think it's better to leave the cooler on the house um, in case they sell it for dual cool. That's, that's not a good idea. It's better to just remove that cooler. Um, we see a lot of problems with the ductwork being oversized, the wrong registers because they put cooler registers in, not air conditioning registers. So you got big ductwork, wrong registers. You, you have no static pressure at all. And then rust, I mean, rust is a huge issue. If there's water and there's metal and it's been going for years, you're probably going to have rust. And that creates duct leaks and it also creates bad indoor air quality. I had to be convinced the hard way because I've had an evap cooler on my garage because my garage is kind of my little area. I go duff and spend time and that's my little home away from home. That's my little home away from home. And so I've had an evap cooler on my garage for 40 years. And finally got talked into putting an air conditioner out there, an air conditioner in my garage. And it actually cost me about 40% less in electricity to air condition my garage than it did to evap cool. Absolutely. With the mini splits in a garage, that's a much better method. You don't have the water, you don't have the pads, you don't have the maintenance. The cooler's got to run 24-7 where the air conditioner may kick on and kick off a few times a day. Many splits are kind of new to the American residential market. They've been cooling the rest of the world for the last 60 years. They're a great concept. 
And when we talk about SEER ratings, legislation right now mandates that y'all are selling a minimum of 14 SEER. In Arizona, it's 14 okay, SEER. And SEER is the efficiency. It's like the miles per gallon of your car. It's how efficient is your air conditioning unit. And so by law, we have to be selling 14 SEER. We can buy up to 25 SEER. 25 SEER. Folks, let me tell you how efficient mini splits are. A mini split system, SEER rating, can approach 40. Oh, yeah, 39. Th- yeah. yeah, absolutely. And a big part of that is because it doesn't have to send any air through the ductwork. That's correct. There's no loss in the ductwork. It's perfectly quiet. You can never hear it on. That's correct. And we're seeing uh, a hot bedroom being handled with a, a mini split. The garage, the workshop, the RV garage and whatnot but i'm seeing many splits now whole house whole houses talk about that so they're getting to where now they're focusing on doing whole house they've made all kinds of varieties people didn't want to see a big ugly box on the walls they have ceiling cartridges now they have ducted mini splits now with small duct work so the technology has come so far in mini splits and it's it's the way people are doing it because you're only cooling what you need okay so my challenge with mini splits is you're circulating a lot of indoor air how are you how are you then accomplishing the indoor air quality that we've been talking about a big part of this last hour so they've just recently come up with a scrubber the uv light scrubber that goes inside a mini split so just in the last few years now you can actually handle the indoor air quality i mean you could always put an external air system in but then you have noise and you have maintenance and you have everything else so now they're doing the mini split scrubber which works pretty well and the top-of-the-line mini-splits, I think they call them multi-head mini-splits, you can actually ask, hey, keep my master bedroom at 74 between 8 at night and 7 in the morning. Then you can allow that bedroom to go up to 80 during the day. I don't care. I'd like the kitchen to start cooling down about 530 in the morning, take it down to about 76. When we leave for work at 9, you can let the whole house go up to about 76 degrees. I mean, you can – custom tune this mini split system different temperatures different time of day in each different room absolutely each head becomes a zone so you can zone it so each head or each air handler has its own capability of controlling that temperature and that atmosphere so you can have every room at a different temperature if you wanted to absolutely tony i owe you an apology we've had you here in studio for an hour sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with the arizona homeowners i haven't even let you give out your phone number It's uh, 520-544-5665. It's uh, temperature control. Been air conditioning Tucson since since 1982. And, Philip, thanks a million for coming in. We appreciate your input and wisdom as a service manager of temperature control. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. Okay. Anything left undone? How about a website? Uh, Temp-con.com. And in, in general, brands of equipment you like putting on homes we do lennox uh train and ream some ream stuff they stand behind their work they're behind you know any equipment that's going to stand behind the the contractor is worth it and most manufacturers will give you a five-year warranty on parts it's actually 10 now if you register correct and do y'all register every unit you install well we're a premier dealer so we automatically 10 years on everything we install we even do 10 years on labor now Folks, that's critical when you're buying an air conditioning system. If the salesman's trying to upgrade you into a 10-year warranty, you've got to ask yourself, is it already provided? Right. <laughs> Correct. All right. Here with temperature control from Tucson at Rosie on the house.